Welcome to The Gone Show, the show where my guests and I explore anything and anyone that is now gone or might as well be. On tonight's episode, we'll be up and at them and exploring the Knocker Upper. And now, joining the world and beyond from The Gone Show studio in the American Midwest, the host of The Gone Show, Bannon Backus. Good evening, and thank you for joining us for another episode of The Gone Show. Joining me in the studio tonight are Jay Stewart, who is a brain in a jar. As always, it's a pleasure to be here. Conroy Pike, one of the world's most respected couriers. It's always good to be here for yet another pit stop. And joining us by telephone, a man who, from me, needs no introduction. A light in darkness. A skeleton key for doors that few should open. A map to navigate the fringes. I am Dr. Arturo Bellerophon. Yes, once more, Dr. Bellerophon is joining us as John continues to be absent. It's good to hear your voice again, Dr. Bellerophon. And it is always a pleasure to hear your voice, Mr. Pike. Speaking of your voice, I'm always surprised that what with the almost constant state of motion in your life, your voice doesn't always show evidence of the Doppler effect. Yes, sir. There are days when I feel like that would make sense. Boom, boom. And if memory serves, that was the voice of Mother Bellerophon. Yes. Despite being largely non-verbal and confined to a motorized wheelchair, my mother continues to keep pace with me, a spry, virile man, unencumbered by any of those difficulties. It's a pleasure to hear your voice as well, ma'am. You had better be careful, Jay. It sounds like you might have some competition. Uh, Well, no, I... Okay. Before we get into tonight's topic, people continue to ask, so I should probably let everyone know that I still haven't heard from or seen anything of John. I'd say I'm beginning to get a little worried, but... He's already dead, so... I was here the night John dematerialized, and truth be told, I thought he would return rather quickly. Yes, John always seemed at home here. Perhaps John has achieved that common desire spelled out by poet Maya Angelou. I long, as does every human being, to be at home wherever I find myself. Uh, That may be. Or maybe soul-searching has nothing to do with it, and John's just afraid to come back because he knows I'll tell Satan where he's hiding. (laughs) All right, to take a cue from our own Conroy Pike, let's get this show on the road. Tonight we're going to be talking about a precursor to the alarm clock. We're going to be talking about knocker uppers. I don't believe I'm familiar with that term. Yeah, it's a pretty obscure term, but that wasn't always the case. A knocker-upper is someone who travels from home to home and wakes up people. Oh, I see. 
be done there. Yes, sleep is something of a point of contention between mother and I. Whereas mother is an early bird, I am something of a night owl, which works in my favor, as what I study does not go bump in the day. I find it easier to do my job during the night as well. There's a lot less traffic at that time. Of course, not everyone is able to handle night after night behind the wheel. It sounds as though you're referring to someone from your past, Conroy. Yes, sir. Early on in my career as a courier, I shared the driver's seat with a young man named Miles Cloverleaf. I had been making deliveries for a few years, and Miles was very interested in the courier business, and very ambitious. So, with what I now recognize as hubris, I tried to take Miles under my mud flaps and show him the ways of the open road. And I take it things didn't go as planned? No, sir. And, Conroy, I need to stop you right there. I apologize. We need to take a short break, but hopefully you'll be willing to fill us in on what happened after we return. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bro. And I'm Plunger. And if you didn't listen to Bro and Plunger in the mornings today because of your bare ass being stuck to your mattress by an unidentifiable substance, here's what you missed. Hello? Is this Gretchen of Nursing Home? Speaking. I just wanted to let you know that your husband, he didn't really die in Korea. Yeah, what really happened is that he faked his own death because he wasn't sexually attracted to you anymore. Oh my, that doesn't sound like Jonathan, but... (laughs) She's going to be really self-conscious the rest of the day. Yeah, she'll probably make a push-up bra during arts and crafts time. (laughs) (laughs) Bro and Plunger in the mornings. Check your local radio listings for showtimes. The fedora, it is simply the most attractive and functional clothing accessory for a man. However, you rarely see them worn, but I'm going to change that. My name is Edward Homburg, and I am a Silicon Valley multimillionaire, but I'm also an eccentric. And that's why I'm going to begin paying the men of this country to regularly wear fedoras. Why? Because I want to be able to wear my extensive collection of fedoras without fear of people thinking that I'm a hipster. I'm not. I just like fedoras. And I know that I'm not alone. So, if you'd like to begin earning $1,000 a year for regularly wearing a fedora, visit my website, Finance My Fedora, and register. Once you register, you'll receive randomly timed text messages instructing you within 10 minutes to take a selfie of you wearing a fedora and send that picture to me. If you do that each time, you'll receive an annual check of $1,000. Look good. Earn money. Help me. Visit Finance My Fedora today. Welcome back to Bog on Joe. 
Welcome back to The Gone Show. On tonight's episode, we've been discussing knocker uppers, and joining me all wide awake are Jay Stewart, Conroy Pike, Dr. Arturo Bellerophon, and Mother Bellerophon. And Conroy, I'm sorry I cut you off before the break. We'd love for you to continue. No need to apologize. When you gotta go, you gotta go. After decades of investigating those things, dark, depraved, and evil, Mother and I have learned to control those fear reflexes responsible for unexpected bowel movements and urination. I apologize. Mother just reminded me that I sometimes suffer from diarrhea of the mouth. There are worse things for which to be remembered. To quote William Shakespeare, no legacy is so rich as honesty. Uh, That is very true. As I was beginning to say, Miles Cloverleaf was ambitious and determined. He wanted nothing more than to be the best courier in the business. But he pushed himself too much and too quickly, and I wasn't quick enough to apply the brakes for him. Right from the get-go, he wanted to drive nights to maximize our travel time. But he had trouble staying awake, so we almost immediately began taking caffeine pills and washing them down with espressos. Yikes, that sounds like a very bad combination. Especially when those espressos came from a seemingly bottomless green Stanley brand bottle. I know the type of bottle you're talking about. They're not small. Yes, they're vacuum sealed, and you can use the lid as a cup. That's the one. Anyway, I would voice my concern whenever I saw a good opportunity to do so, but he wouldn't listen. And as time went by, he insisted more and more on being the one to drive. Then one night, while he was driving us to our next stop, it occurred to me that I couldn't remember the last time I had seen him sleep. So I asked him about it, and that's when he turned to look at me, nice and slow, like an oscillating fan and said something that I'll never forget. What did he say? He said, I have been awake for 144 hours, and last night, I smelled God. He said that he had been awake for, what, six days, and that he had smelled God? Yes, sir, he did. Mother is right. We've investigated many claims of holy contact. But even we have never spoken with anyone who claimed to know what God smells like. I've never thought about it, but now I do wonder what God smells like. I don't know why, but I have a feeling that God would smell like canoe cologne. Needless to say, it was then that I realized, without a doubt, that there was a problem. Unfortunately, unbeknownst to me at the time, we were already headed toward something even more dangerous. Something even more dangerous than alleged olfactory contact with the Almighty. 
Yes, sir. Miles claimed to have arranged for us to pick up cargo in Seattle, Washington. But it turned out that what he had done was arranged to be the test subject for an experiment in Seattle, being conducted jointly by the United States Army and the National Coffee Association, an experiment that I later learned was an attempt to provide a human being with an above-average and practically never-ending caffeine buzz. Extraordinary! The benefit of an almost perpetual caffeine buzz being had by a nation's armed forces would be considerable. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, The smell of napalm and coffee breath in the morning. But it didn't go as planned. As I was waiting by the truck for Miles to come out of the warehouse, which was actually a laboratory, the building's overhead door ripped apart, and a jerky, distorted figure emerged, and before I knew it, was positioned in front of me. It was Miles. Blah. Yes, Mother, it does sound like he ripped right through a metal door, as if it were a wet coffee filter. Looking at Miles, different parts of his body would jerk and jitter in rapid succession, which gave him a distorted appearance, like an image out of focus. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and before I could pull myself together enough to say anything, Miles said, The universe vibrates, and now I am vibration. Then, looking not unlike a pixelated man, he leapt off into the horizon and disappeared. And it was with a heavy and rapidly vibrating heart of my own, I got into my truck. And I haven't seen or heard anything of Miles Cloverleaf since. I can't believe it. That's incredible, Conroy. And frightening. And on top of everything else, it never ceases to amaze me the lengths that governments will go to in order to create a better soldier. It gives new meaning to the name G.I. Joe. Well, I'm sure that this wasn't the easiest story to tell, but we really appreciate it. Ah, yes, this is a military secret about which we will have to investigate further, Mother. All right, circling back around to tonight's topic, knocker uppers were most commonplace during the 19th and early 20th centuries, and according to my research, were most prevalent in the United Kingdom. Am I correct to assume that the Industrial Revolution had something to do with the rise of the knocker-upper? Yes, the expectation of employees to show up early for factory work is definitely something that made knocker-uppers more common. 
In fact, it wasn't uncommon for a factory to employ its own knocker-upper, which is something that usually entailed a factory purchasing and maintaining a single alarm clock. That was something that was very expensive to do at the time, and that alarm clock would be used to wake up the knocker-upper so that he or she could go out and wake up the rest of the employees. Of course, other times, the knocker-upper worked freelance and was hired by individuals. There's nothing quite like an entrepreneurial morning person. Uh, now, how did knocker-uppers accomplish their task? Uh, did they just knock on people's front doors until they answered? That's what one might think, but actually, um, so that knocker-uppers would only wake up those people that they were supposed to, a knocker-upper would usually use a long pull to tap on the bedroom windows of their clients, which in urban areas at the time usually faced the streets. Crude, but effective. In doing my due diligence, I also ran across information regarding an especially inventive knocker-upper named Mary Smith, who worked the area of East London and woke up her clients with the use of a pea shooter, shooting dried peas at windows. She must have developed quite a name. I would think so. I apologize for making yet another assumption, but I assume that the increased availability and use of alarm clocks is what eventually left early morning streets virtually without peas and poles. Well put, and yes, the affordability of alarm clocks is largely what led to knocker-uppers becoming archaic. Although I did find mention of knocker-uppers still working in some parts of England up until the 1970s. That is surprising to hear. Of course, there is something to be said for that personal touch. Weary. Ah, yes, when it comes to me not getting up when I'm supposed to, mother's personal touch involves a glass of water and an electric fly swatter. Wahoo! And that brings us to near the end of tonight's episode. Any final thoughts on the knocker-upper? Jay. I'm forced to wonder whether John ever employed a knocker-upper. No, I doubt they offered their services at four in the afternoon. Conroy? All that I can say is that it must have taken a special type of person to be a knocker-upper, equipping the average person with a large stick or pea shooter at such an early hour would probably end badly. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, Dr. Bellerophon and Mother Bellerophon. I cannot help but to think that it might prove interesting for Mother to undergo past life regression and see if she was once this pea-shooting Mary Smith. And there you have it, Knocker Uppers. To my guests and listeners, thank you. And until next time, good evening and good gone. 
The Gone Show was produced, created, performed, and written by Bannon Backus. The Gone Show is a presentation of BoomTube, B-O-O-M-T-O-O-B. All rights are reserved. Visit BoomTube online at BoomTube.com and Facebook.com slash BoomTube Network.